home of Philadelphia Eagles football. WENJ, WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. I think we have the ability to do something really special uh, with this group, but it's going to take a lot of hard work. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. All right, Football for Adam Kaplan, powered by InsideTheBirds.com, where you can catch the latest Inside the Birds podcast. It drops every Monday and Thursdays at 6 a.m. on any podcasting platform. And we got a lot to talk about from today's Inside the Birds podcast and all the NFL news that has happened over the last 24 hours. And we bring in from InsideTheBirds.com NFL insider Adam Kaplan, Football at 4. Adam, how are you, pal? Always good to talk to you. Now, first of all, you know, we, we need to clear something up because I've been listening for the last hour. You guys have never worn socks with with uh, sandals, have you? I've never sense. done that, but I think that's a young kid's look. That's gross. Right. If you, either of you do this in public, I will never come on your show again. And if you think I'm joking, just ask George Lewis Costanza. I don't <laughs> kid. I ain't doing that. I, yeah, I would not get caught dead with that look. By the way, I'm not a sock guy to begin with. Like, if you Neither see am me, I. Yeah, I, like, wear I wear the socks that are the no-show. These kids wear the socks where they pull them up. They wear the, I don't want anybody to see my socks. It's my a mid-cap. <laughs> it's a mid-cap, Gil. You don't yeah, understand. I, I, I don't, Hunter. I, don't, I mean, the only time I wore socks when I was on television I would wear them because what would happen is if the camera panned down as they're going to commercial, they would see, you, you, you could see that. But, uh, no, I, I won't. I just did. What's the point? I mean, you know, quite frankly, first of all, no one wears a tie anymore. Even when we were, you know, when we go out in public, we have a speaking engagement, they tell me, oh, you don't need to wear a tie tonight. I'm like, great, okay, cool. You know, I'm yeah. all for that. The only time I go tie, the only time I go tie is when I'm uh, doing the CFFC events. I'm working, you know, I'm doing the play, and I only have to wear it for the 48 seconds that I'm on, and then I take it off. That's it. I'm out on the I love tie. That. It's so funny now in television. You, you, rarely do they do guys wear uh, ties anymore. It's just uh, it's kind of funny, but that's kind of where we're at. And you know, I was talking to someone from um, NBC Sports Philly who told me that. They think like the trend is whatever you're wearing at home, or you know, other than pajamas, obviously, or sweatpants. You, because people are relaxed at home, they're not wearing a tie and a suit, and that's their thinking. But I'm old school. I like to get dressed up when I'm doing TV. <laughs> I've only seen anyway. you in a suit, Adam. I don't think I've ever seen you out of a. Of no, some... you, you is that? Wait a minute. So that's right. On Radio Row, you, when you, we, yeah, because I, I, you know, I'm working. I'm, I'm in a suit, but. I haven't worn a, I don't wear ties. I mean, ever. No, no, no. Uh, just a suit, blazer. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. You, yeah. You, you have a good memory, man. I'm. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's kind. Of, it's kind of funny. It's. Uh, it's kind of odd. Like it, you're growing up. It's like you. Certain people that you meet, you only know them a certain way. Like uh, Ron Jaworski, before I worked with him in 2002, I remember Jaws only with a beard. I, I don't remember him without a beard. It's just kind of funny. Certain players, you know, growing up and what they look like. All right, let's get into some of the stuff because there's a lot going on. Adam Kaplan's with us. Uh, Jeffrey Laurie will have his coaches return to Philly uh, next Friday for a quarantine here. So uh, what's uh, behind that whole, um, you know, the coaches returning here? Because the Eagles coach is not back, not ready yet. But what will get them back in the building? What will kind of kick this all off? Yeah, uh, Mosher dropped this on our show uh, this morning. I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was like, wow, this is interesting. Because I've talked to so many coaches around the league, they're ready. They, you know, a bunch of coaches told me when they're returning, but I've not heard of one team doing this. So, what, in, in Jeff's reporting, 
you know, ne- next Friday, next weekend, uh, the coaches are coming in. They're going to have to self-quarantine for a week. And if everything goes well, they'll go forward. If, if something happens, obviously, then they'll have to quarantine for at least two weeks. So, you know, in Jeff's reporting, I remember Jeff started on this uh, probably four to six weeks ago. He heard from a source that Jeffrey Laurie was uh, very involved in being proactive with uh, COVID testing. And, and kudos to him. You know, th- this is we, we probably spent 10 or 15 minutes on our, on our show this morning talking about this. Jeffrey, uh, to his credit, is very on, on front of this, and, and I'm hoping most teams are. Uh, talking to a bunch of coaches the last you know, four to six weeks about what they're going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, it's funny and quite a sad. Back in March, you know, talking to coaches, they, they didn't really believe that this was going to be a big deal. Well, now you talk to them, they've changed their tune, uh, mostly because the, it's been butchered you know, in terms of the testing and, and taking it seriously in too many states. You see Florida, you see Texas, California has regressed in other states. So, the good thing is, from an NFL standpoint, Jeffrey Lurie really setting the standard and good for him. Well, I, I guess then you go down the road of, all right, the Eagles are kind of doing what they're doing here. They've kind of set this quarantine up, and the Eagles are having their coaches and staff report to Philly by, what, July the 10th for a mandatory seven-day quarantine, and then yep. they'll be tested on the 17th. Uh, so that means all the coaches and everybody will be good. Uh, but are the players going to have to do the same thing? Are they going to have to quarantine themselves in, in anticipation? Yeah, I, th- th- that was an unjust reporting, but I would assume um, they're going to have – this is, again, this is a guess. I haven't asked the Eagles about this yet. But I would assume they would do something similar because so, why would you not um, do this with the players if you're doing it with the coaches and front office? Uh, and, and the other thing is, remember – Jeffrey was involved in the coaches not coming back in the building. Um, and Jeff's reporting uh, you know, last month, I remember him putting that out, that this is coming from he was involved in and others, and obviously Doug Peterson, the head coach. And uh, This is, by the way, that part of it has been the feeling around the league that uh, let's be proactive, let's not be in buildings. And most buildings are empty. We're not just talking for office and players and coaches. The entire buildings around the National Football League were all empty as of mid-March. What is the impact to teams and players if they force these squads to be smaller than 90 going into this? Yeah, this is, this is, this is met with resistance by coaches, uh, some coaches, not all of them. A lot of agents I've spoken with. This, has been around, this, this rumor has been out there for, for well over a month. And the thinking is this. The, the league thinks that having smaller groups of players – will help them, but Hunter, and, and, and you could hear this, and uh, Mosher just explains this in his reporting, um, the Eagles are actually going to move their meetings to um, the link instead of Novacare to give them more room. Most teams could do this. You know, there, a lot of teams have their stadiums close to their building, uh, rather than National Football League. They can do this. And um, by the way, you know, as you know, training camps are going to be held at the team's complexes rather than National Football League. Uh, so I think this is an overreaction. This is the one thing the coaches around the NFL have said to me, which has been sort of critical. They just think the league is overreacting. You, you heard what uh, John Harbaugh said. He said it's next to impossible to handle these protocols. Because, you know, look, players, especially in the NFL, even though they're wearing a face mask, and, they, and, and by the way, I know some players are going to wear shields in the fall, but, look, if you get thrown to the ground and you're breathing on each other, stuff's going to come out, and, and that's, you know, that's how this virus is spread. So there's always so much you could do, and the NFL has admitted already. They know that some players are going to get COVID after they're back, but they're trying to do everything they can to prevent it, and that I get. All right, Adam Kaplan, Football at 4, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. How impactful was the decision yesterday 
to uh, basically cancel two preseason games. I mean, is that essentially a COVID thing, or is this something they've been talking about? Is it convenient? Uh, and I thought it was interesting that it was week one and four. They're going to play week two and three. Um, but uh, how big of an impact? Was that an eye-opening thing? It kind of came out of the blue. Well, no, the, the, the going for four to two is not, not new. This is, you know, I actually put that out on our show of like six or eight weeks ago that this is being discussed. It had been reported by other people, and I, I knew about it. Uh, but, we, yeah, but the one and four is interesting. So the way it works is, guys, uh, weeks one and four of the preseason are when the rookies and first and second year players play. Starters, almost most teams don't play their starters in week four. Starters play up to a quarter or only a series in week one. Well, now you're limiting those games. So, so as I said on our show this morning, I, I, what they're going to have to do for these kids to get reps, because you've got to evaluate the bottom half of your roster, particularly last ten, and talk to the Eagles, guys. The Eagles really do believe that there are going to be some jobs open this year, unlike other years where you pretty much knew who was going to make it. There are a lot of jobs open. The, 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 the final seven to, eight, seven to eight roster spots are definitely open, if not more, particularly linebacker and wide receiver, a running back, offensive line, a cornerback. So, guys, how are you going to evaluate these guys if you don't get them on the field? You're just, what it means is you're just going to be able to evaluate them in, in training camp and just a little bit in the preseason, that's not a good thing. And it's what it, what it does, guys, to, to, to move us along here. This is, this is it impacts guys uh, that you find in undrafted free agency. Remember Corey Clement? You're not going to hear about the Corey Clements anymore because they're not going to make the football team. The, Corey Clement in this climate in 17 probably would have not made the Eagles. And you, and you know what? They may have not made the Super Bowl without him. This is definitely trending in the wrong direction. So do you sense that the NFL is going to pull this off week one on time, even if there is no fans? Like, are you sensing that they are going to be able to do this? Yeah, I've been pretty outspoken with this. So in my reporting, is everyone I trust tells me we're going to have a season. You know, not that they know 100% for sure, but everything, all the protocols they're putting through, they feel confident. But they can't guarantee you, not that anyone can guarantee anything, but they don't. I'd sense, um, yeah, we'll probably start on time. But the concern is, and you're seeing the COVID numbers go up around the country, if it gets to be, you know, if we have an outbreak with a bunch of teams, there are going to be some issues. And, and that's the other problem of the many, of, of the, the you know, several dozen. If we have an outbreak with a couple teams, what do you do? Uh, do you reschedule games? You, you have to. Uh, but, you know, how do you do that? And that's one of the many things the NFL has got to get through here with the NFLPA. Yeah, Adam, and then um, I think another interesting thing that could affect not only the Eagles, but a lot of teams, but as you just mentioned, the Eagles are a team that uh, has a lot of interesting back end of the roster guys. You know, they got 14 wide receivers. There's a couple of undrafted running backs. Um, the shortening of the rosters potentially, going from 90 to potentially 75, I mean, I'm sure the coaches aren't thrilled to hear that that's something um, that they might have to do going into training. It's kind of a catch-22. It's like you – want more players because if people get COVID, you want people to be able to fill them in. But you also, the more people you bring in, the more chances, I guess, there is to get it. That's the, the latter of what you said is what they're thinking. But, again, they're putting such stringent protocols in. You should be able to handle 90 players with everything that they're doing. Here's the problem. with the, And, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll mention a couple players here. The Eagles you know, speak to them privately. They really want to see Elijah Holifield in training camp. Okay, that, that's one guy they want to look at who's at the bottom of the roster guy. They really like Raekwon Williams as an undrafted free agent of Michigan State, who they think will push Anthony Rush for the fifth defensive tackle job. They want to see Prince Smith, who's a, who's a corner who could flat-out fly. 
they want to see him out there. Um, they they, they want to see uh, Jutavis Brown. Now, Jutavis Brown should be one of the first uh, 75 players. Uh, you know, he, he's competing for a starting outside linebacker job. Uh, but if he doesn't perform well, listen, the Chargers didn't want him back. Uh, Casey Tuhill, the kid who had a good East-West Shrine game. Uh, Joe Osman, right now, if you're keeping 75 guys or you can only have 75 guys, Joe Osman, who we reported last June, I mean, I went out and said he's going to be on the football team from talking to the Eagles, and, you know, he was, but you know, he tore his ACL. Um, he ain't making this team, guys. Uh, it was 75 players. It's not going to happen. Um, because he's coming back with torn ACL, though I'm telling you, he's running and he's doing well. He's a bottom seven, bottom eight type guy. Uh, so this is this is the problem when personnel people in front offices, and I, I know some GMs are not in favor of this. It, it becomes a real problem because you, you you they don't even get on your roster. You know what? Like one agent said to me, so what are you going to do? Tell my guys to stay if somebody gets hurt, stay in a hotel. There's no practice squads until the, the, the fall, by the way. So, so what do you do with those bottom 15 guys? Just tell them to stay loose and, and work out on your own nearby and not get paid? Like that's, that's the problem with this. And I, I get the NFL's trying a lot, and they're going through a lot of scenarios, but I cannot imagine the NFLPA would agree to this. Well, and there's also, I mean, do you just lose your rights to that guy? I mean, you're the one who drafted him, or you're the one who found him, and then you never got a chance to look at him. Do you just lose your rights to the fact that, you know, hey, we're the guy, we, we, we're the one who signed, or drafted Casey Tuhill. We're the one who signed Mike Warren. And now because of this roster restriction, we've just lost him, and now he's fair game for anybody else. That seems not to be fair either. Yeah, yeah, and then, then you know, Mike, we don't know because it's just it's just being it's one of the many scenarios the NFL and NFLPA have not agreed to and are just discussing. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but if it happens, I mean, at what point do you start not having draft picks on your roster? It's just it, this is not this thing is not being thought through very well. This is of all the proposals, this is the worst one that they've come up with, which. Again, it, that's the only one that would stun me if it gets passed. I, I, I think it's stupid, but listen, things happen in the National Football League that scratch my head. Adam, I heard you and Jeff Mosher speak to Brian Westbrook this morning on Inside the Birds TV, and he praised Miles Sanders, and something stood out to me. He said that this team could be on his shoulders. What are your thoughts about that? Miles Sanders, the team being on his shoulders. Yeah, and by the way, you can get that, that on, on, um, on YouTube. This is where we put our interviews up. And it was just posted, and it's really interesting. So basically what Brian said was, look, you know, with all the uncertainty at wide receiver and not having an offseason, Sanders could have a bigger role in the passing game. You know, I gave him 15, 18 touches per game. You know, Brian didn't rule out that he could get more because, remember, right now they, they don't really have a, a, a bona fide backup running back that they do like Boston Scott. When you really look at it, they have so much uncertainty at wide receiver, and, and, and as, as Westbrook talked about, there was a, and Mosher brought up a really interesting point. There were years when Westbrook had to be used way more in the passing game than expected. He had 90 catches in one season. Do you know that Brian Westbrook led the NFL in touches one year with over 25? I mean, most people don't believe that. You know, he was 5'8", 190. But it was out of necessity because they just were down in, in, in good pass targets. Adam Kaplan, InsideTheBirds.com, and, of course, check out the Inside the Birds podcast, which dropped this morning and Monday uh, on any podcasting platform. We'll get to some Ask uh, ITB questions from the Inside the Birds Facebook board coming up in just a second, um, or um, we look through uh, some of the other things. What do you think about these um, 
the, the possibility of fans having to sign a waiver to go to a game, what's the message there? I mean, does that kind of scream, too, of they don't think that this is going to be a normal season, right? Yeah, so, so what, yeah, obviously the COVID COVID's not going completely away by September, obviously. But w- what they're doing is here, uh, they're looking at a way to protect themselves because, you, look, the bottom line is, even though they're going to have a way to measure your temperature, we're seeing this in Los Angeles and other airports, it's not foolproof. Like, some people are going to get in there and feel great, and they're asymptomatic, and they're going to actually be spreading the virus. So, yeah, I, I could see them doing that. And then the question is for the, your listeners, would they sign this waiver? Um, you know, it's, by the way, um, the Eagles, every year you have, you have to sign I, I, I haven't always signed it because they haven't asked me for it to bring, give it back. But Eagles media staff gives us, in that media packet, a waiver to sign to protect them if we get hurt at practice. If you know, if you're like for one year, by the way, I got dumped on my butt. Um, <laughs> I was I was looking at my my phone, and I I got hit. I got bowled over. Thank God I rolled on my back and got right up. I was I was a little sore, but I was okay. But that's in the media packet, so it's the same thinking here. Look, if someone gets the virus, you already agreed to come in, so you can't blame us. All right, a couple uh, NFL things I want to get. Oh, before we get to some NFL notes, this uh, you know. The head coach ranking list that came out and had people going bonkers this week. Uh, I don't. I guess it's just how. What was the criteria? It wasn't really explained. I thought it just said entering the 2020 season, not what your resume is. But I guess the question goes to Peterson: How is he viewed across the league? Not just you know, hey, he's the guy who won the Super Bowl and the Eagles fans like him. Across the NFL, he just doesn't seem to be a flashy name and have the buzz that a recent Super Bowl coach would have, or that some of these flashier offensive-minded guys have who haven't won anything yet. Right. You know, it's really interesting, Mike. This is not a secret, so I, you know, I'll just explain to you. Doug Peterson was the fallback option. He was never their number one option to hire in 16. They wanted Ben McAdoo. Uh, in, in 16, I had reported that um, if Ben McAdoo gets out of the, the Giants meeting, he's going to be the Eagles' next head coach. Thankfully uh, <laughs> for the Eagles, the Giants hired him. And you know, Doug got hired. Not not a lot was known about Doug, and he had a, he had, he did not have a good first year. And this was not a secret. Uh, if you talk to the Eagles and other teams, do this. I think Doug, you know it's. I think Doug. You know he grew as a head coach in year two. He's respected now because everybody knows how, the, how the, around the league that he, he not only won a Super Bowl. He's a quarterback developer. He's a tremendous play caller. And the Eagles are never not prepared. That's a tribute to him and Andy Reid, obviously, who was obviously his coaching mentor. And you got to give him credit. He, now, when you look at that list, I think it was CBS Sports, because what happened was I chimed in. I made one comment, and everyone came at me because of um, Sean McVay. The, you know, Sean McVay got way too much hype because he was the youngest head coach of the National Football League at 30 years old when he first yeah. got the job. And you know, people, the, the, the fans got all me about it. I said, listen, I'm not racking them there. I'm just showing you this list. And I put my – I made a couple changes. I moved Peterson up and Mike Tomlin up. I don't know what the fans' problem with Mike Tomlin, in. Tomlin is. 13 years, never had a losing season. That's incredible. Adam, there's nine current coaches, I believe, that have a Super Bowl. It's hard, and, and you know, all of them are still pretty successful. They're not like these one-and-done, like – you know, the guys who won a Super Bowl, they, they're all still going, and they've all been successful, so it's hard to, to just throw. The only one who's really wonky is Gruden, who won a Super Bowl in 02. Right, right. Mark, you look, look, look like what you're saying. Remember George Seifert, the former Niners coach? 
head coach. Yes. He walked into a great situation. He wasn't a very good coach. If you saw what happened in Carolina, he was awful there. He, he completely flopped. So, yeah, you're right. All these guys are good coaches who won a Super Bowl on that list, that top ten. I would move Doug up. To, in fact, Mosher and I probably within our next two shows, based off the uh, the craziness of, of people up at arms, we're actually going to do a show on this because people <laughs> love this stuff. They, they love, everybody loves these lists, so we're going to do one. A huge story this week was Cam Newton. How do you think he does in New England? Yeah, so hard. I'm talking to a, a Patriot source. They're selling it internally. As basically, this is this is competition. Don't you know? Don't don't start running away with Cam as a starter. Let let it play out, and that's fine. But he's he, look. It's highly probable that he'll win the job. The one thing Brian Hoyer has over the other two quarterbacks, Stidham and obviously Newton, is that this is his third team of the football team. It's Brian reminded me uh, uh, the day that he agreed to a deal. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, Brian has not been a full time starter for two years straight. Cam is a former MVP, so the only problem is, you know, Hunter, Cam has been hurt the last two seasons. He hasn't played good football since 17. He just was hurt the last two seasons. Now, he's only 31. That's not old. That's old as a running back, but now as a QB. Uh, and one thing is uh, a couple people have told me that there's a lot of truth to this. This is a very hard offense to learn, and remember, they're not, he's not getting an offseason. He's just getting exposure now to the playbook because you know, they're giving it to him now. Um, so... That 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 to me, I'm, I'm excited though. I can't wait to see how this is going to work out, and they are going to have a healthy competition because there's just not a lot of time, guys. Um, and, and look, Cam's going to start this season, whether it's week one, five, or ten. Just a matter: is there enough time for him to understand the offense and get used to the personnel? That's, look, this is the first time he's played with another team. This is not as easy as it sounds. Uh, Adam Kaplan, you can catch the Inside the Birds podcast. It drops every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. on every podcasting platform, insidethebirds.com. Let's get to the Ask ITB. A couple of questions real fast, quick hitters. Uh, This one's from Dave Hansen. He wants to know, aside from Carson Wentz, I think this is an interesting question, who's the most important Eagles player of 2020? (laughs) Uh, Our buddy Mike John Hansen said last year was Deshaun Jackson, and it's hard for me to disagree with that because you saw how bad the passing can struggle without him. Uh, who's the most important player? Oh, boy, other than Wentz. That, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say right now probably, because now with Brandon Brooks out, uh, probably Jason Peters. <laughs> He's not oh, wow. Huh. Team. How about that one, huh? I just think it's really tough to expect with Audrey Dillard not having an offseason with the coaches. They have a lot to work out with him. Uh, he'll certainly be the guy in year three. I just don't know that he's ready. Uh, you know, we've detailed this on Inside the Birds for like six months from our sources, and I, I just don't know. The Eagles are very high on him, but, Mike, to, to, to answer your question and to answer our, you know, our, our question from our message board on, on Facebook, I just don't know what you could expect from Andrew Dillard at this point. That's a curveball. This one's from Stephanie. If we don't extend Dallas Goddard next year, is it the franchise tag and option in 2020? It will help with extending Ertz if his contract is front-loaded. All right, so here's what happened. So, so guys, in my reporting on this, it just caused like a fervor. What I, what I said last week is a comment that I've made probably four times on our show since free agency started. I just said that back in March, look, don't expect this Ertz deal to get done anytime soon. My sense is he's going to wait for George Kittle to get his deal done because Kittle will be the best tight end contract in NFL history by far if it gets done. I've pegged it at 13 to $15 million. Uh, Zach's got to see what he gets. Uh, that's kind of the way I, I've heard it. 
and that's the way it is right now. And, and you know, Kittle wants to get his deal done. His agent, Jack Beckett, has made it very clear that he doesn't want just the tight end deal. He wants he looks at him as a multi-purpose player. So keep an eye on how it goes down with the Niners. Jack Beckett from the National Football Post? That's him, yeah. Jack actually played with Daryl Green at Texas A&I. How about that? In the 80s. And he also has, he had Jermaine Mayberry, former Eagles first round pick. How about that pull by me on Jack Beckett, knowing that he was the uh, guy from the National Football Post? No, I thought they were, man. You know, you know, you're pretty, 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 pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's smarter than you look, that's for sure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds. Their new podcast is out right now, InsideTheBirds.com. Make sure you check it out. And, of course, football at 4. Every day, 4 o'clock, right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Well, Adam, hopefully uh, you have a nice 4th of July weekend. Wear a suit, would you? I will, but I will not wear sandals ever. Thank you I very much. I wouldn't expect you. Nothing less from you. All right, Adam Kaplan, like all guests, up here via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. And coming up, uh, if you, uh, the Sports Bash Football at 4 is presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. These are challenging times, and if you need and you need certainty in the home buying process. I need my glasses for this, it looks like. Sorry. Uh, home buying process with a loan that fits your life. For mortgage assistance, contact the Rocket Mortgage team 24-7 online at rocketmortgage.com. We are live at the Hard Rock Atlantic City. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody. And when we come back, the president of the Hard Rock Atlantic City, Joe Lupo. Big sports fan, by the way. Sports betting, clean and safe. It's been a fun time up here. Absolutely. Now, I did find a keto-friendly meal. Oh, yeah? Yep. Can't wait to see what it is. Yep. I got a little creative. Ooh. All right. Well, Maybe uh, one of those picky people, hey, can I do this and that and this and this and that? And not they typically, you like, but this on guy, this guy, really? This guy? Not typically, no, but I don't like tomato. And I don't know anybody who likes red onion. I don't know why anybody puts red onion on anything. I eat anything, Gil. Yeah, all right. All right, stick around for that. Uh, we're going to tell you about some of the new things that are happening and how they're happening here at the Hard Rock coming up. And... Bob Wanko from Crossing Broad is going to join us at 5. He was on the Joe Girardi call that today at 3 o'clock, so he we didn't get to hear that. So he's going to kind of be our eyes and ears from that press conference at 5 o'clock today. Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad, who covers the Phillies, will join us right here on the Sports Bats Live on 97.3 ESPN. And maybe we'll do a little uh, happy hour Thursday weekend edition of the Ask Mike and Broads. On 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, we're live at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino Atlantic City, which is open right now. We are live inside the Hard Rock Cafe, and, of course, uh, you can dine outside, which has uh, been going pretty well. President of the property, Joe Lupo, is with us here. And, uh, Joe, first off, thanks for stopping by. Looks like uh, everything is uh, clean and safe and smooth so far. It is, it is. We opened at 6 a.m. Everything went pretty smooth, and... You know, we're starting off a little bit slow. We've been closed for quite a while, so got to get the kinks out. Uh, we have some occupancy limits, and we purposely uh, didn't book all the hotel rooms. And so we're trying to get things going, understand our volumes, going into one of the busiest weekends of the year typically. But you know what? We're happy to be open. The doors are open. It's been a long time. People are getting back to work. That's what's most important. Now, you know the market well, obviously, and it's, it's a lot of tough times between the Sandy and the economic crises that have been going on. The casino's open, some closed. You guys are new. Um, how do you see the bounce back of this kind of uh, in getting prepared for this? Is this kind of been a completely different animal for you? Yeah, you know, I was here through both Sandy and Irene, um, and I was, I, I was out of Florida in a hurricane. So I've been kind of through a, a shutdown, but this is much different. Uh, you know, a, a hurricane came and you were reopened, and it was basically 
reopen it with all the you know all, all the amenities here it's a little bit different no smoking no drinking no alcohol um the 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 fear i think of people that that is in some anyway and uh you know it's just not going to be the same we have to accept that unfortunately we're not bringing back all our employees uh but we want that volume to come back but i you know, I'm skeptical. Uh, the the 25% occupancy is going to be a little bit difficult to deal with. We need, though, to build trust and confidence. The only way we do that is to follow the rules, uh, put up great protocols, which I think we have better than none here in Atlantic City, uh, thermal imaging and uh, uh, the, the wearing a mask, obviously, our clean team, uh, plexiglass at the tables. And I, I think it's just going to take some time. And I'm hoping that we build that confidence with the governor. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't push the limit. And he understands that at a casino, we have so much square footage. Uh, people are spread out. Better air filtration system than any grocery store you're going in. Uh, so I hope, hopefully we build that trust and he can go up to 50%, eventually 75 and 100. Yeah, you mentioned that clean team. And, you know, Hunter and I walked in and you hear, like, ah, you got to get your temperature taken. You're thinking there's going to be a door and a line and you're waiting. Right. Very efficient. Yeah, pretty I mean, cool, that's something right? that was – I was shocked. I, had I was no waiting idea. to open up my mouth and get the tongue swabbed underneath. <laughs> right. I'm like, what are we no, doing? It's, it's like out of Predator. You, you saw your uh, image. You don't even have to stop it. We have we a have diff couple different units, but we have three units at our main entrances where you don't have to stop, and it gives your temperature right away. I thought they were laxing, like no one's taking their right. temperature. This is a fraud. And then, no, they're like, no, we got you. Right. Uh, excellent. I mean, that's like something for the people who are like, ah, there's going to be lines, and we're going to have to get our temperature. No, no that, that was excellent. Uh, our conversation that we're having with Joe right now, we have plexiglass between us. That's what it looks like out on the floor for the table games, correct? Yeah, table games. Anywhere there's a longer interaction, at the sports book, at the front desk, at the players' club, at the cage, we have plexiglass. And at the game, at the table games, you're, you're, you have a piece of plexiglass between you and the player, and then uh, for the blackjack games, you and the dealer. And on the craps and roulette, the dealers are wearing face guards. So... We went the extra mile, uh, and, and, you know, we intend to keep it that way. We turned off every two machines right now for slots uh, to ensure that there was distance between a, you and another customer. So I think we really did all we can do, and we have some outdoor dining. You know, again, we needed to get open, and now we need to do it the right way because this isn't the way it can last. And so we want to, again, build that trust with the governor and, and, and move the number up. You mentioned the sports book. Is that open now? It is. Awesome. It is. That's you awesome. know, we, we're obviously with uh, NASCAR and golf primarily. I think where they put up NBA odds the other day. So we're taking that. We've been taking online wagering, both casino and sports. But yeah, we opened up the sports book today as well. How as uh, as we're talking sports and we're hoping it all gets back? You know, um, the NFL canceling a couple of preseason games doesn't uh, make you feel great. However. NBA, baseball, hockey, all at the same time. Is that an exciting thing to think, okay, we were closed, this has been tough, but that could really reinvigorate things, all of it happening at once. Yeah, believe me, I, I, I ran sports books for 20 years, and the summer's a slow time. That's when you go on vacation. But now, hopefully the summer picks up a little bit with baseball and hockey and, and uh, NBA. And I think that should, that should really help. While 75% to 80% of our sports betting is done online, um, you know, having that when you come down here, knowing that you have that sports book, the sports book lounge to bet in, um, you know, hopefully, again, it's just another amenity. While some of our amenities are cut back, at least we can provide that. Yeah, and uh, I know uh, the, the whole sports gaming aspect, it took, uh, it was such a bumpy ride to get here, but has that been something uh, that has exceeded expectations? Has it been about what you thought? I mean, how has sports betting in New Jersey been 
specifically for your property, but in, 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 for the market as a, as a whole? I, I think it's been, uh, like Casino Online, it's been a learning experience for everybody. It's, it's not the experience that when you go out to Las Vegas and you have the parlay cards and you have the big sports book, right? But at that time, I was out there, we didn't have online betting either. So I think it's really more about uh, educating the player to, to play online because everyone has a phone. But nonetheless, we, we don't have the uh, square footage as a Las Vegas sports book. So they're a little bit smaller here. And I, I think that's only, you know, uh, our, our guest is only here overnight anyway. But we've been able to facilitate it. Uh, really good numbers. I think, again, people are okay with betting online now that they've built trust with casino online betting for five years now. Mm -hmm. Joe Lupo is the president of the Hard Rock. He's with us here. Um, and uh, we see Jim Allen on TV all day. He got the TV job. You're doing the radio stuff. How'd that <laughs> I got, work? I got a little TV earlier, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> I turned around in the studio. I said, hey, there's Jim. Um, and obviously, how has this changed your job? I mean, is this something that like you had to re-kind of come up with a new plan, formulate a lot of this stuff? As well, the president of the property, what changed for you? Yeah, I, well, from a marketing standpoint, you're trying to understand – who's going to come, who's not going to come, how to market that person so they feel comfortable. Obviously, it's more about operations and uh, safety right now. Uh, that and training has just been the biggest issue. We've been working with Atlanta Care to ensure that they can provide us good health care training because I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not the expert on COVID, but they are, so we brought them in. And then as we work through the summer, it's understanding our volumes and, and frankly, you know, with, with offset of revenue, a lot of times you're going to offset expenses. So managing those expenses, and unfortunately, that's where labor comes into play. And we haven't been able to bring back as many people. And, and from a family-oriented uh, type of uh, culture that we have here, it's painful. But we're going to work through that. I want to bring more revenue so I can bring back more custom or more employees. Yeah, I know some of the properties decided not to open. Why did you? Why was it important for Hard Rock to be open when some said? No indoor dining, no alcohol, forget it. And I can, I can tell you straight from our owner's mouth to bring back the employees back to work. We, we supported the employees during the three and a half months that we were off. We want them to come back to work. Our owners are from New Jersey. They're, you know, lead, their leadership in the community has been vital, and they really want to get things going. I think our leadership here, if we wouldn't have opened, it really would have been a, been a poor statement. But we want to get open. We want to show the governor that we can be open and do it safely, and I think – our leadership uh, in doing so will be a big statement, and hopefully we can have that direct dialogue to the governor to say what's working, what's not, and what can we improve. So the uh, Sixers' odds <laughs> jumped up the best out of all teams. Is that what's the? We can't figure out what happened in this pause that, button that, that was, the Sixers are all of a sudden the hot betting item. So reading that, this sports book should be jamming with Sixers futures. So it's you know, it kind of gets misstated about. What, it, the odds are really, after they're opened up, the odds are really a, a, a reflection of what the, what the customers think. Or putting money so, down on, right. You know, there probably has been very little betting on things. People didn't know if they were going to play, play the uh, rest of the season. So there was very little action on NBA and NHL. But now that there's back in action, here comes and it's the local money that's coming in. Well, uh, that's your answer. You yeah, well I, look at Why? It, well, I look at it as everyone keeps thinking all these teams are going to play so sloppy and they're going to miss their threes. Hey, the We've Sixers heard a lot might of have a chance now. Yeah. I think it's like everyone's playing so bad, or they expect them to play so bad, that the Sixers have a chance. Yeah, you know, and a couple of players aren't coming back for some teams, things like that, right? And I think some people are weighing that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, money moves the odds in the end. 
All right, Joe Lupo, and uh, hey, congratulations on uh, everything you. is great. The uh, safe and here. sound program guidelines, uh, you know, they asked us, hey, do you feel safe? And I read over everything, uh, and that made me feel much better being good, here, good, you good. guys. You said that you haven't been able to bring back all the workers, but i got to tell you, there has been a ton of people working, <laughs> coming through here well, and doing a great job. You know, I mean, we, we have to create a good experience, and so we, we do have probably more employees than we need today and through the weekend, and I didn't know how busy it would be Fourth of July weekend, so we wanted to be prepared. Are you surprised at, uh, the, I mean, what, did it happen right away that people, like, decided Fourth of July weekend we're going to be there? Uh, we started getting hotel reservations as soon as we said we were going to open. Okay. They started coming in much faster than I had thought. And, uh, you know, I live near, near down here at the beach, obviously, and uh, the beaches are packed. So people want to get out. And as soon as we turn that, that message on, we were going to we be open, mm -hmm. things have come back pretty quickly. So I'm encouraged by that. But, you know, give us a, give us a test. Uh, we, want, we want the feedback. If we're not doing something right, let us know. Six entry points. They all uh, take your temperature when you walk in. You can feel safe. And that's the message this weekend. Try to have a good time. Uh, the dining outside. Most people would be dining outside any but way it's right a, now. That's a, a beautiful, beautiful time day. to dine outside, right? Joe Lupo, appreciate it, man. Appreciate uh, it. This is the Sports Bash, Mike and Broads. Of course, uh, we are here till 6. And don't forget, coming up, uh, Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad is going to join us to talk a little Phillies. Joe Girardi spoke today. Send a text message, 609-403-0973. That's 609-403-0973. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. Hard Rock is where we are. Thanks to Joe Lupo. He's the president of the Hard Rock. Great information uh, for those of you out there looking for something to do this weekend. The Hard Rock is open if you want to play. they got the tables open. You can use the slots as well. And Mike and Broads live here. A Joe Girardi press conference today. Um, it's funny, I just got an email from the Phillies with the recording of that. But Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad is going to join us at 5 o'clock to kind of give us uh, his take on uh, some of the things Joe Girardi said. Now, we've had a lot of discussion about you know uh, Spencer Howard, uh, Alec Bohm, those guys and what they might bring to this particular season. Uh, I'm interested to see what how Girardi, you know, Clintac can say what he wants to say, but what about the coach? How does he view these guys? I think that's going to be, uh, you know, one of the bigger storylines when we get to uh, tomorrow is when they open up camp, right? I think they already started throwing. Did they not? The pitchers might have been. I think everybody yeah. comes to Okay, home. yeah. Now, yeah, you got Bryce Harper playing third base. With the JT Real Muto jersey on making a statement, how do you feel about that? Does that bother you that he's kind of putting pressure on, on the upper management to get a deal done? No. I will say, the more and more I think about this $23 million, it's just not happening, Gil. You're going to have all of these owners come well, together, you essentially. what Clintac's answer on it the other day? That what? Josh, can you get that Clintac bite from his Zoom meeting? Did you hear what he I, had to say? I saw the quotes where he was essentially kind of, I guess he was. Kicking the can down the road. Yeah, almost. a little bit. And I just feel as if. The owners are going to collude a bit when it comes to this whole thing. The free agencies, not none of these players on the on the market, the Mookie Betts's of the world, the JT Real Mutos. Even though that's a drop off, of course, I'm not saying JT is Mookie Betts, but these free agents, I think they're going to get a lot less money 
when it comes to this class because of these owners coming together, kind of sticking their ground, and because they're going to use what's happening with COVID as an excuse of not paying these players. Hey, look, we don't have this much money. We can't spend that much. Yeah, well, Matt Klintak made this comment about the whole JT Real Muto uh, contract extension. This was on Tuesday during his Zoom call. Take a listen. Obviously, I don't need to tell you guys this, but the landscape that we left in March is, is going to be different than the one we return to now. Um, and we just have to see, you know, how that manifests itself in our discussions. We still love the player. Uh, we still would love to have him in red pinstripes for the long haul. But there's a lot of uncertainty in the game right now um, on, a, on a variety of levels. So we just need to factor all that in. I mean, he's talking as if, there might not be baseball for five years down the road, so we can't be thinking about signing a guy. I mean, like, oh, the th- the landscape has changed. Do you want this guy as part of your organization? That wasn't a ringing endorsement. I'll tell you what that was, though. That was John Middleton. That's a John Middleton decision, no? How much money we're going to spend on JT Real Muto? So I just feel like Matt Klentak, who a lot of people dislike, he's the messenger. That's all he is. He's just the messenger. He's a hate-to-face? Well, of course he is. But that's John Middleton's voice coming out of Matt Klentak. What, no? that the landscape is uh, Sure, he's different. the one that has this. He At the end of the day, if I told you right now, JT Romuto signs a contract, right? Who would you say really was behind that contract, Matt Klentak or John Middleton? Well, you know, this is turning into, did Andy Reid make the picture or was it Howie Roseman? But I don't think it is because in baseball it's different when it comes to their luxury tax, what they're willing to spend, knowing that the luxury tax is a number that owners don't want to go over. It's really the owner's decision when it comes to signing these deals in baseball. What do you think of this uh, whole thing with the Phillies injured list today? Did you see that? Yeah, Hector Neris was on there, right? Scott Kingery. There was a couple guys I well, saw. Well, I mean, this is what I talked about yesterday, and it came true today. These guys on the COVID list – you, you can't say they're on the COVID list because of the HIPAA laws. But if you just randomly show up on the injured list and you never got hurt, isn't it pretty obvious what happened? Yeah, it's a loophole. That's what it is. It's a, fl- it's a loophole. That's what they're going to do with these guys. Yeah, but it's not a <laughs> – Is it not a loophole? Hey, he's not, he, do- he doesn't have COVID. He's, I, I don't know. Can well, they- how are you going to explain it? Scott King or he's not in the lineup for 10 straight days if he's not hurt. Someone else is playing better at second base? Right, that's what I'm saying. He didn't get hurt in a game. He didn't leave a game early because of injury. He's just not playing for 10 days. How do you explain that? You can't. you got to come up with some excuse that nobody's going to buy. That's what you would do. Well, that's the whole point with this COVID, the, the, the list, that you can be put on the COVID list, but you can't say who's on the list. I know. It really is. You're right. You, what are you going to actually tell these fans? It doesn't make sense. That is a very flawed system. Now, Leave it to baseball <laughs> to give us a flawed system. Now, Tommy Hunter was one of them. Hector Neris, Scott Kingery, and Ranger Suarez. Now, Hunter is interesting because apparently, and I did not know this, this is from the Philadelphia Inquirer reported that Hunter was among, not Hunter Brody, Tommy Hunter, was among those who tested positive for COVID in Clearwater. Now, did he test positive again? I don't think so, but okay. maybe he had it in the I, – I, I don't know. But due to some of the HIPAA laws, you're not really supposed to release these names. And it's just a weird right. situation. Right. If somebody's out for a long period of time, I think we're all smart enough to put it together that this person clearly has COVID-19. Right. If he's – that's my if if, Bryce, Imagine Bryce Harper. Hey, someone else outplayed him in right field? Are they going to try and say that? Right. Nick, and, Nick Williams? And that you can't <laughs> prove that he was injured. Like – 
on Friday, he played. On Saturday, he doesn't play, and he's out for 10 straight days. Like, isn't that pretty obvious of what happened here? So, I don't know. It's just a weird scenario. It's absolutely a weird scenario. But going back to JT Romuto with this contract, I just think it's not going to happen with the $23 million. I, I know that was reported by Jim Salisbury at one point, but I just find that so hard to believe. I am actually at the point now where I think, no team is going to spend big-time money on JT Romuto or other players right now, so maybe they let him test free agency. So when he realizes that it's not there, what he was expecting, here comes the Phillies to swoop back and try and get him. But will he be pissed off that they didn't give him the original deal and they look another way? Yeah, how, that, how if you heard that comment, would that sit with you? Oh, the landscape has changed. I'd be pissed. Now, how about this? How much of an impact is Bryce Harper's voice? Because he is definitely telling the front office, sign this what man. What how big is it? He's got a 13-year, $300 million deal. It's the biggest voice in the city. Sure, but what if Matt Klintak gives him the finger? <laughs> and says, I don't care what you say, Bryce Harper. I'm not signing him. That was well put. What Thank if he you. gives him the finger? He could. He could. He could. But then guess what? You have your $330 million man. For 13 years, 12 more years ticked off. Let me ask you this. Should Bryce Harper have that much of an impact on your decision if you're the GM? I would look at him and go, I don't care how much money you have. I'm the GM. I love Bryce Harper. But he should have more of a voice than the general manager. No, but I think he's showing some support for his teammates. And I get that. I, I don't know why he kind of roused me the wrong way. Like, yo, dude, let it let it happen. But let you it don't happen. want him to show up the front office like Joel exactly. did to the Sixers? Exactly, although that was for a good reason because he was paying well, employees. Was this a good reason? Yes and no. I mean, I, the more and more I sit on it, $23 million for JT Romuto with what's going on right now, when you don't know where this is going financially, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good reason. I don't know if it is. All right. Well, uh, by the way, we got a lot of Ask Mike and Broads questions that came in today. Um, one of the things, being out on location sometimes, you kind of lose uh, track of, like, the whole text board system and all that stuff. But send your texts in because we're going to do a special Ask Mike and Broads at 530 tonight. So if you have a question, send it in right now, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. And we will try to uh, knock off as many questions as we can today. We're kind of like blending in the happy hour Friday today because this is kind of our Friday. Tomorrow uh, we'll have the best of the Sports Bash. we got some great interviews on tomorrow, by the way. Trey Thomas, our conversation with Trey. Uh, Tony D'Angelo from the Rangers will have his our conversation with Tony uh, on there as well as um, Keith Pompey, who was on yesterday's show. Uh, Bob Wankel, by the way, is coming up on the other side. I do have the whole show for tomorrow mapped out. I just don't have it all off the top of my head. So uh, we'll tell you some more about that. Oh, yeah, Mike. Um, conversation with uh, Nate Boyer. Oh, yeah. That's going to be on tomorrow as well. So, uh, make Interesting sure NBA in news, by the way. Right now? Yeah. NBA is close to signing off on a second oh, bubble in that, Chicago yeah. with the eight teams not going to Orlando. Yeah. You watching that? Yeah. All the bad teams? Why not? Well, because I got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs>